God of mercy, you promised never to break your covenant with us. And that all the changing words of this generation speak your eternal word that does not change. Enable us to respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The first scripture that we read this morning is from the Old Testament, from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 9, various selected verses. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. So Kish said to Saul, his son, Take one of the young men with you, and arise and go and look for the donkeys. And he passed through the hill country of Ephraim, and passed through the land of Shalalish, but they did not find them. And they passed through the land of Shealim, but they were not there. Then they passed through the land of Benjamin, but did not find them. When they came to the land of Bach, Paul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us go back, lest my father cease to care about the donkeys and become anxious about us. But he said to him, Behold, there is a man of God in this city, and he is a man who is held in honor. All that he says comes true. So now let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us the way we should go. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me where is the house of the seer? Samuel answered Saul, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for today you shall eat with me, and in the morning I will let you go and will tell you all that is on your mind. As for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. And for whom is all for and for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not for you and for all your father's house? Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his hand and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord appointed you to be a prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and he will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. When you depart from me today, you will meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin and Levi. And they will say to you, the donkeys that you were sent to seek are found. And now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys and is anxious about you saying, what shall I do about my son? Then Samuel brought all the tribe of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clan, and the clan of the Matrites was taken by lot. Saul, the son of Kish, was taken by lot. But when they traveled, they could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, Is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. The New Testament lesson is from the book of Galatians. 
chapter 5, verses 23 to 26. 13 to 26. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Last week, our guest Manola shared with us a powerful message about how we tend to hide in our stuff, in our baggage, rather than step up and own the call that God has put on us. I will admit that when he first told me what his scripture passage was that he was preaching on for the week, I was a little bit baffled until I heard what he had to say about hiding from our call, as Saul did, hiding among the baggage. And I want to spend a few weeks now, as we wind down our liturgical year, to dwell with that, to explore it a bit. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at things like, how are we hiding in our own stuff? What are the things standing in the way of our growth as Christians and as a faith community and in the way of our carrying out the mission of the gospel? What is God's call for us as a congregation? How do we come out from among the stuff to own our call, the anointing that God has put on us? We're going to talk about overcoming things like busyness, apathy, fear, tradition, lack of gratitude. And we're going to talk about, as Manolis put it, flipping the map, looking at the world in a whole new upside-down way like Jesus calls us to. Sometimes 
Like Saul, our biggest problem is seeing the actual path God wants us on. We get so caught up in what we think we're supposed to be doing that we miss the call. We don't see the real reason God has led us to where we are. And sometimes, like Saul, even when we see the calling, we choose to hide from it anyway. When my husband and I were children, our families were very close. We shared meals together. His parents babysat my sister Sarah and I. Our parents babysat his sister Melina and him. And we even went on vacation together once. And I have very many fond memories of that vacation to New Hampshire. We stayed in a cabin up in the White Mountains. I remember how fun it was that each family had a walkie-talkie in the car so we could coordinate rest stops on the drive there. This was before cell phones and being able to text message. We got to change up which kids were in which car from time to time so I didn't have to sit by my awful little sister the whole way there. We climbed up Mount Washington, not the Pittsburgh one, but the Mount Washington, the White Mountains. And some afternoons we just stayed at the cabin enjoying the mountains and each other's company. Tim and I were about six and seven at the time, which means our sisters were about three and four. And those of you who have spent much time with preschoolers know how easily bored they are, which is not exactly conducive to relaxing around in a cabin. And one afternoon, our little sisters continued to pester our moms for something to do. And finally, in exasperation, one of our mothers just blurted out, oh, just go outside and look for pink and purple monkeys under rocks. And to everyone's surprise and relief, they did. (laughs) Off went Sarah and Melina to go flip over all the rocks outside of the cabin on this hunt for pink and purple monkeys. I can just imagine our moms chuckling incredulously to one another that it actually worked. I can only imagine their reaction rather than remember it because being resourceful opportunists, as soon as we heard the exchange, Tim and I were digging through the craft supplies that our moms had brought and were pulling out all of the pink and purple construction paper we could find. While Sarah and Melina hunted for pink and purple monkeys under rocks, Tim and I crafted an army of them for our sisters to find. We then snuck around the cabin, carefully placing our handcrafted monkeys under all the rocks we could find without being spotted. Now, in the haze of childhood memory, I see this as having been an entire, day, an entire day's work, but I'm sure that our parents barely had time for a cup of coffee before Sarah and Melina came rushing back in shouting, We found them! We found the pink and purple monkeys under rocks! And after the surprise wore off, and our parents heard the peals of laughter coming from Tim and I, everyone had a good laugh about the shock on our parents' faces when Sarah and Melina actually found what they were looking for. Because of the way it brought everyone together on what could have been a stressful afternoon with bored little kids, the pink and purple monkey hunt has gone down in family lore as one of the most cherished moments of our lives as well as a prime example of why one should be careful what they say around myself or Tim, because we might just take them up on the challenge. Looking for something can keep us really busy. A classic way of keeping children busy is to make them look for something. Scavenger hunts, we just did one at Bible study on Wednesday night, are a great way to keep busy. They're a fun activity. We love a good story about someone looking for something, 
somebody on a quest to find a lost thing or person. We love feeling like we are on a quest. I think that's part of the weird appeal of Black Friday and outlet shopping. We're on a quest to find the cheapest thing. There's something engaging about being on a mission to find. Sometimes, like Sarah and Melina, we unexpectedly find exactly the thing that we are looking for, as ridiculous as that might sound to the people around us. Other times, like Saul, we have trouble finding something that should be pretty easy to find. One would think that a herd of, mo- of donkeys would not be that difficult. But in both the donkey hunt and in the pink and purple monkey hunt, the mission was never about finding the thing. The little sisters were not sent on a hunt because anyone really needed pink and purple monkeys or anyone thought that they would actually find them under those rocks. They were sent because they needed to be doing something other than annoying their parents. Saul wasn't sent on the donkey hunt to find donkeys. He and his father thought that was the point, but really, he was sent to find Samuel. After spending a few days looking for his father's lost donkeys, Saul came up empty-handed. Perhaps his siblings didn't have access to great construction paper. So lest he become something to be looked for himself, Saul says to the servant he's brought, we should probably go home now and let my father know we haven't found the donkeys because he's going to start worrying about us soon. But the servant knew of a wise man, a prophet or a seer of some sort, who they could go and ask about the donkeys. So they headed into town to find this Samuel guy to see what he could tell them about the donkeys. And when they arrived, Samuel told them not to worry about the donkeys. They were already home. It was never about the donkeys. Saul has been chosen by God to be the king of Israel. And Samuel is the one chosen to anoint him as king. So Samuel anointed Saul. And by the way, Samuel adds, you should hurry home because you were right about your father being worried about you. Saul's quest was never about the donkeys. It was about him encountering Samuel so he could be anointed king. Sometimes we think the search for the donkeys is about the donkeys, But that's just the way that God gets us to where God needs us. Sometimes it's about the hunt itself. Flipping over rocks is a great learning experience for preschoolers. And sometimes God sends us places to teach us things rather than for us to find what we were looking for. God sends us out not to find donkeys, not to find monkeys, but to find one another. Saul was busily focused on the earthly search rather than tuning in to what God was doing with him, and we do that too. Churches get caught up in chasing all sorts of donkeys. Church attendance, money, young families, programs, buildings, traditions. There are so many donkeys we wander off to find, and then when we don't find them, we get frustrated and we just want to head back home to wherever we came from. What we should be doing in those moments, however, is stepping back to look around and say, we haven't found the donkeys, so why did God put us here and now? It's not about the donkeys. It's not about the monkeys. It's about relationship. We were called by God into freedom. We were anointed to be God's free people. This is a strange freedom. It's a counterintuitive 
Freedom because the world says freedom is not having to worry about anyone else and securing safety and well-being for yourself. But as we see in Galatians, Christian freedom is the freedom to serve others, to love our neighbors. We are called into a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the qualities we need to practice in ourselves if we are to be loving to one another. So the best assessment of our endeavors together is, are we loving our neighbors and acting in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, or are we just chasing doggies? Is it about making that person feel welcomed and loved, about seeing God in them, or is it about making that person sit down in our pews? Is it about how this building can serve the community, or about the status of having a building with our church name on the front? Is it about how much we are giving away, or how much we are getting back? Saul wasn't called to find those donkeys he was looking for. He was called to care for God's people as their king. And that was a frightening prospect. He definitely hid from it at first. It wasn't about the donkeys. It was about the people. We aren't always going to find the donkeys. And in fact, most of the time, the donkeys just wander home on their own. So instead of worrying about them, about how many people are here this morning, about how many programs we're doing, about how fresh the paint is, let's start some conversations about how we can serve God here and now where we find ourselves. How can we in this place serve the community as God's anointed and free people? How can we be the face of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control here on the streets of Emsworth? We're going to stick with this for a while this fall. It's really vital work for the church to be doing. So I encourage you, if you miss a week of church over the next few weeks, make sure to pick up a copy of the sermon you missed the following week or to listen to it online. If you don't know how to do that, you can email me. And as you all know, sometimes I give you homework, and this is one of those times. I know that some of you probably ignore me when I do this. Maybe some of you even roll your eyes and thinking I'm being uh, idealistic when I give you these challenges. But I ask you to take this seriously because there is absolutely nothing I can do to save this church or to create church growth other than to help point you all in the right direction and lead the charge. Revitalization, church growth, church health is a result of hard work of an entire community, not just one person. So here's your homework this week. Pay attention to the community around you in a new way that you haven't before. Pay really close attention as if you've never been here before. Go for a walk along Church Street. What do people need? Who do you see around you? What is the pain that you see or feel in your neighborhood, in your community? What donkeys and monkeys are people out looking for? What is the church or community doing to address those needs or that pain? How are we helping to point people to the real end of their search? This might take some research on your part, 
And the answer might legitimately be that the church and community are doing nothing to address that need or that pain that you are seeing. So then finally, how can we as a church be involved in meeting that need and soothing that pain? This is hard, and so this is going to be ongoing homework. There are no easy answers for this sort of work. And some of you are already doing this, for the record. This is not a scolding, but rather an encouragement that this is already happening. And that's good, and that's what we should be doing, and we need to do more of that. So over the next few weeks, we'll talk about the reasons that this is hard work and how we can overcome those things that stand in our way when we're trying to do God's work in the community. So in the meantime, as we begin searching together for the reason that God has put us right here, right now, don't be surprised if we find out the donkeys have already wandered home on their own. But likewise, don't be surprised if we actually find a few pink and purple monkeys under rocks. After all, it's not about the donkeys or the monkeys. It's about relationship and freedom.